Hey, everybody. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. My name is April Lovett. And my name is Daryl Lovett. We've been together for five years, and we have a three-year-old sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and smiley baby boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we co-own The Lovett Company. That's right. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. Oh, yes. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we want to share with you how we manage to run our side business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we'll be talking about working towards success, overcoming failures, and just living our everyday lives. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk Concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they have found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back to Success in Black and White. To Success in Black and White. The podcast. The podcast. (laughs) We are coming back again to continue our School of Leadership series. Yes, I feel like I'm your echo. (laughs) Like I have have my own echo. That's really cool. Uh, Okay, (laughs) if you're into that type of thing, I guess it is pretty cool. Obviously, I wouldn't want to echo, but oh, oh. <laughs> you're so silly. You are so silly. So we're coming back for the School of Leadership series, and we have already talked about the types of leaders that there are and how to discover the type of leader that you may be. Yes. Um, and then we've talked a little bit about leading down and principles for leading down. That's right. What does leading down mean? Leading down, it's more of a positional style type leadership when you're over a group of people and you're leading those people um, who are up underneath your leadership. So maybe like employees or like a group of people, depending on your situation. Yes. Yeah, so we talked um, in the very last series about the first four principles that we have been using from John Maxwell, who is considered to be um, one of the most influential leaders in America today, I would say. Yes, I think that's Um, fair to say. And he wrote a book called The 360 Degree Leader, where he really explores the principles of leading down, of leading up, and of leading across. So we talked about the first four principles of leading down last time, and we are going to continue our discussions um, that we also infuse with stories from our lives. Yes, yes, um, yes. With five, six, and seven. All right, five, six, and seven. Uh, yeah, but first we need life updates. Life updates. All right, go ahead. What do you have? Okay, so um, this is so weird. I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but we talk about it often, how like our technology is spying on us. And 
usually it's pretty easy. Like we might say something or have a discussion and we're just like, oh, Google. She was listening to us because we have one of those Google home things. Yeah. Um, or like our phones listen to us because I, I really think that. But something weird just happened. Um, I was scrolling through Instagram and a video for baby lotion came up like a very specific type and brand of baby lotion and it's a baby lotion that we just bought on Saturday but we never talked about it I never looked up like best baby lotions to buy we were just literally in the store and I was like oh we need more baby lotion I'm yeah. gonna grab this brand and it's different than what we know yeah it's gotten different in the past, so but that was like an in-store decision and so it really creeped me out because how did any of our technology know that we bought that? Yeah, that I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. That's a good question. I'm going to ask my uncle. Your uncle? Yeah, my uncle. Which one? The oh. FBI uncle. Oh, yeah. The one who works for the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. Ask him and see why they're spying on the amount of lotion that we, or the type of lotion we buy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. That was just really hey, creepy, though. <laughs> Can you tell me this? Why does is there why? technology <laughs> that can determine what you buy? Oh man! Based off of the receipt that you bring in your house and the close proximity of that receipt to your phone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, so my um, other update is I am going to Chicago. In a few days. Chi-town. Chi-town. I haven't been in a really long time. I was um, about to like be so, like I was about to be so petty and so messy. Why? What were but you going to say? I'm not going to do it though. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Let me hear it. It was just going to be a R. Kelly and a Jesse Schmollett. No, 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 no. I know. <laughs> I said I'm, I'm not going to do it, but you asked me what was it. <laughs> I was going to be so petty and so messy. It's just too soon. But I'm not going to. That's too soon. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to Chicago. I don't plan on, you know, doing anything illegal or staging anything. Anyway. See, you went there. I I told you I wasn't even going to do it. Nope, I didn't say it. (laughs) You said it. I didn't say it. Well, so anyway, I'm really excited. To How g- you going to go there and say it? And I backed off of being messy like that. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. So I'm really excited to go. I'm because sure you are. Uh, well, I get to go um, because I spent the past four years working on this really big initiative. Um at for I'll just say for Florida State University and it's really exciting that it's finally completed yeah that and should so, be exciting four yeah, years in the works four years of working yeah, through this definitely. initiative and it's for it's a healthier campus initiative which is really really cool so we get this designation as a healthy campus and um I get to go and and receive this designation for FSU so I'm super excited it's a really quick trip but it'll be fun to just recognize all the hard work and it'll be a good day and a half or so that's good that's that's rewarding you deserve it 
I know how hard you worked on it. So yeah, it was a lot of work (laughs) for four years. I know. (laughs) Um, So I'm excited for that. And then right after that, we are going to be in planning mode for these kids' birthdays because my goodness, they decided to both arrive, you know, yet years apart, but four days apart in the month. And so, you know, one is one day and then one came four days later, even if it was years apart, we still got to celebrate their birthdays. Yeah, exactly. So we are just planning those. They're coming up fast. Uh, Yeah, very fast. <laughs> yeah. And I think that at some point we're going to have to decide on a better way or more efficient way of celebrating these birthdays that are only four days apart whether it's joint or if it's a family vacation Mm. or something i can definitely get on board with family vacation yeah i'm sure you can (laughs) Uh, i mean on top of the vacation part it also just takes all of the planning like we're planning this big weekend of family celebration which is fun and we're excited for but Oh, man, it's so much work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. Yeah. So. I mean, you wouldn't think that. Like For the kids, though. It's you for know? the kids. It's for the kids, for the yeah. memories. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to um, get these things out of the way. I meant to um, enjoy their birthday parties with the family <laughs> and friends. It will be fun. It'll yeah. be good to see everybody, too. Definitely. Yeah. So that's life. What do you have any other life updates? No, I think I think you did very well with the life updates. Um, a lot of them overlapped with me. Yep. Um, while you're in Chi Town um, receiving the award, um, I will be here with the kids. Yeah. Um, so, and we're both planning these parties. Yep. Um, and obviously the spy stuff that's going on. <laughs> I'm pretty curious about that. Um, I really, that one just creeped me yeah, out. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to uh, investigate on that a little bit and talk to, <laughs> you know, some people that I know <laughs> and find out what are the possibilities or probabilities of um, that information being accessible. <laughs> you know what so I mean? Creepy. I know. Oh, so I don't know. That is pretty crazy, though. Yeah. Well, so let's move into the second part of leading down. We had some awesome discussions last week. Okay. Um, and so I just wanted to really quickly, well, first of all, if you haven't listened, go back and listen to the in- entire School of Leadership series. Um, this is the fourth episode now that you're listening to. Um, so go back for at least, and then if you're really up for it, just go back and listen to the entire podcast because yeah. the whole podcast is good. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, so um, definitely go back and listen to last week because it'll give you a lot of context for what we're talking about this week. Um, and so, like I said, we're, we're really looking and exploring um, John Maxwell's The 360 Degree Leader. And so that basically he's saying he's got these seven principles of how to effectively lead down. And I'll just go through the fourth, the first four really quickly. The first one he says is walk slowly through the halls. I'll let you guys go back and listen to the last episode to figure out what that means. The second one is to see everyone as a 10 Mm. 
The third one is to develop each team member as a person. And then the fourth, which we kind of talked about last week was the most important one out of those four, is to place people in their strength zones. Um, So those are the four. We talk a lot about it and we really give a lot of examples um, from our lives because if you're just tuning in, um, we both have a lot of leadership experience. Um, Daryl has by far the most breadth and depth, but we have both played very significant leadership roles in our lifetime. Yes. Um, so we have a lot of interesting experiences that we can draw from and talk about for these. Absolutely. So let's jump into his fifth principle. All right. And so after all of those, after the walking the halls and seeing everybody as a 10 and developing people as individuals and placing people in their strength zones. The fifth one is that to be the most effective leader leading down, you have to model the behavior that you desire. Okay. What does that mean? So basically what he's saying here is that leaders need to be what they want to see. They need to show the way for their team. So for instance, if you really desire a culture of excellence per se, then you have to model excellence yourself, whatever that means for you as the leader of that organization or that group. So if you don't like what your team is doing, this I think this was like a kick in the pants to read. If you don't like what your team is doing, you have to first take a look at yourself yeah. and what your actions are. Evaluate yourself. Yes. Every team models the behaviors of their leader in some way. Different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses. It doesn't matter. Every team is going to model the actions and behaviors of their leader. Absolutely. That is so true. Yeah. So, so tell me, oh, worthy leader (laughs) that you are. Oh, worthy leader. Wow. (laughs) That's okay. That's what I came up with in my head right now. Wow. Oh, worthy leader. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. All right. Tell me a little bit about this because I want to know from you, first of all, kind of in your everyday leadership roles. Right. How do you feel like you best exemplify this principle of modeling the way? Right. Um, So mm, I think that it's very important to understand that it is a culture that you're creating. Mm. So a way that I definitely know that I model is my demeanor, my poise is, is always at an even level. And you'll probably, I mean, you know this and people say this all the time. And and I'm sure that you can ask a majority of the people that I work with, but I'm probably one of the most level headed and even people that, you know, yeah, like an even keel person. Yes, definitely. Um, So, so when you're talking about a culture and kind of exemplifying or leading the way um, that by far, I think, sets the tone. And for me, that is natural. Um, Because if you think about it, and when I say it's culture based, if you have a leader who's just always like anxious and on edge and, Mm -hmm. you know, their emotions are jittery and their actions are jittery, that's going to transpire throughout (laughs) the whole team. And everybody's going to always be 
working in a panic mode or always anxious. Anxiety levels are going to be high and everything's going to always be shaky. You may have results and things may get done, but the environment that it's happening in is not going to be fun. Um, it's not going to be enjoyable. And it could also bring up challenges that don't really need to be there. Right. So when you're talking about a culture, um, I think that my poise kind of sets the foundation for the culture that I that I set and that I establish for the people that I'm leading. So they know that no matter what is going on with the situation or circumstances, if they come to Daryl, like he's going to be poised, he's going to be fair and they know that they can bring things to me and how things are communicated back down to them is not going to be up and down. Yeah, I agree. And the funny thing is I I get to see, um, especially now as definitely an outsider to your portion of the organization, I can see it even more at play than when I worked directly with you inside that portion of the organization. Right. Um, and I can see that your staff is, I mean, and everybody, again, everybody's individualistic and you have a very large staff, but your staff usually handles things pretty calmly. Um, and I have seen a lot of leaders under you who, even if their personalities are different, I've seen them come out and be able to really think in very process oriented ways. So sometimes like their personality might tend them to be a little more sporadic or a little more panicky than you might be in certain situations, but I've seen like their process tendency kick in and that's because they're constantly learning from you right and the fact that you're process oriented um and I can think back even a couple years ago I think was the one that it was a cohort of people who worked for you who um because at the time a lot of them were students you see you saw you they worked for you for a couple years right and then when they left they every student that left within like a two year span were all they all had very similar tendencies in leadership. Right. <laughs> and I've never seen that before. Like yeah. they were all I don't want to say there were many Daryls. Yeah. But they kind of were. They were, yeah. And it was it was just crazy to watch because yeah. I don't know how that's probably the best example I've seen of this come to light. Yeah. And, and I think those foundational pieces, like I said, that kind of created that culture is what they took on. So the things that they picked up and the things that they used in their leadership style and in their um, leadership task were based around that foundation of that culture. So it wasn't right. like they were trying to be me or they were adjusting their characteristics to me. It was all based in the foundation of that culture. Agree. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and like you said, one of the things that um, I think is very, I'm not going to say unique about me, but uh, not everybody does this, but I, I'm, you know, I'm slow to act and quick to think. Yes. And a lot of people are slow to think and quick to act. Yes, like me. <laughs> and, and, and when you use the term process oriented or people are like, oh, my goodness, like what's going on? Like they're trying right. to figure me out, which I talked about in the last episode. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm slow 
to act, but I'm quick to think because when I make a move, you best to believe that that move is more than likely going to probably be the only move that we're going to have to make forward. Not like, oh, you know, quick to act, move over here. Oh, no, that didn't work out. Move over here. Oh, that didn't work. And you didn't exert so much energy, so much effort, so many resources in those quick little moves to where when you finally figure it out to make the big move forward, you don't have all of the energy, you don't have the resources, or you don't have the effort to make that big move forward because you didn't think about it before you jumped into it. Right. But that's that's Daryl's philosophy. Um, you know, for some people, it may work the other way. And, you know, they may like being rescued by people like Daryl. <laughs> so, hey, to each his own. Yes. <laughs> the knight in shining armor. That that that's typically how it works. I like, know. I am so, I've seen it. <laughs> you know, I'm so resourceful and I'm quick to think and slow to act that. A lot of times people just kind of jump in head first and then they realize like, oh, no. And then I'm like, all right, see, I've already thought about this. I've already kind of went through the processes and I know that this is going to work. So let me jump in. Yep. You know, that um, is true. But yeah. So like I said about, you know, modeling the behavior, um, it's a culture and building that foundation to the culture. And for me, what works is. Um, obviously definitely my poise and having poise is very important. Um, and then, then being slow to act and quick to think, I think is very important. And then something that you covered in the, um, like when you were given the definition of, of what it is to model the behavior you desire is taking a look at yourself first Mm. when something, you know, doesn't work out. And then taking action, um, because if you go to the people that you're leading and you you're, you know, diving into what they're doing, diving into what they have going on. Yeah. Um, and you haven't really stepped back and looked at how you have put them in certain positions, which probably is what led to the, you know, the failure or the downfall, then you're never going to figure it out because you're going to be chasing the tale. Yeah. And how that's so hard for a lot of people, I think, because yeah. especially once you have been in certain positions for so long, there could be a tendency to just think like, what is wrong with my staff? Yep. What's wrong with my people? Yeah. Like why, what is happening here? And to just entirely forget altogether. I don't even want to see, say like, be negligent and like think it could be me, but I don't care. I think a lot of people would just forget to even self-examine or self-reflect. You know, if I'm not taking a moment to take a look at myself first or self-reflect to see where I could have possibly misled or I could have possibly not correctly communicated or if I just straight up didn't have the right answer. Like my staff, they feel comfortable saying, hey, D, you told us to do this and this just didn't work out. And then I'm like, oh boy, like step back. Mm -hmm. Did you tell them to do this? If they're saying you told them to do this, that's the perception. It is now the reality. So if you didn't tell them to do that, what did you say to make them perceive you saying do that? Right. And it goes back to you. You know, I really appreciate my staff feeling comfortable coming to me and calling me out and checking me on certain things 
But one of the things that I do is I also do that initially out the gate. I'm like, what did I say? What did I do? Who did I put in what place or what position? And, and um, you know, what could I have done to put us in a position to not be successful at this? And then if it does all align and I can go back through my process and be like, okay, we did this, this, and this, and these were the outcomes that I was expecting, and these outcomes just didn't happen, then I can say, all right, everybody, hey, look, this is what we had planned out, and this is how I was leading in the direction that I was thinking we should go in, and it just didn't work out. It's time to switch it up. Mm. So um, I think that is a very important point. Yeah, I agree. And so... So now I want to switch it up. Okay. And I want to say, has there ever either A, in your life been a time that you've modeled a behavior that you did not desire? (laughs) Or have you worked for or seen other leaders think that they're modeling something good, but then always be like, what's wrong with my staff? Or like always be like, they just can't ever figure out what's going on with their staff. And so they're just, they're not modeling a desired behavior or they're modeling poor behaviors. Have you seen this and what have been the effects on the organization? Yes. And yes. Um, Oh, to both. (laughs) Yes. And yes. Have I, yes, I have. And I have a a great example. Um, And then have I seen it? Yes. So I'll start with my example of of me. Um, So not the current organization that I work, that I work for, but in a previous um, position that I was in, um, I was responsible for for generating, you know, a certain amount of revenue, and I was knocking it out of the park with generating this revenue. And, and when you're talking about modeling behavior that you desire, um, because I was generating so much of the revenue, like I wasn't even aware or conscious of how or my attitude about how I was generating the money which meant I should be able to spend it however I want to. Mm. So because I was generating so much money and I had programs coming in and out and I was doing so well and I was exceeding, you know, my projected generated budget, I was literally like, you want to talk about buying new program equipment, new facility equipment, new this, new that. I'm talking about my office always stayed upgrade. Like the the programs that we had were always like top notch. And what's so crazy is, is the people that I was leading saw that and they saw my behavior. So they started doing the same thing with the money that was being generated. <laughs> and before you knew it, you were out of money. I was, I was looking at my budget and I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm generating hundreds of thousands of dollars. Where, why do I only have a couple of thousand left in here? Where did all this money go? So after kind of going back through and and, you know, bringing my staff together and kind of saying, hey, we got to sit down. Let's go through this. Let's check things out and looking through the budget and seeing kind of where things went. I brought everybody in. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Why are y'all spending all this money on all this stuff? Like, you know, we got to make sure that we save some of it. Some of it go to reserve. Um, Some of it has to go towards other special events and other programs that we're helping support and fund. And they were like, well, we thought that you wanted every program to have, 
new equipment for those programs and we thought that you want i'm like where did y'all get this from i never said that they was like well that was what you were doing so we just followed your lead uh, i was like uh, oh okay <laughs> um yeah like <laughs> so oh, and, and, and and i had to kind of take a step back and you know when you talk about modeling the behavior and leading by example that's what i was doing and they felt like that was how I wanted to operate. And that's what I wanted them to do right. because that's what I was doing. And they just kind of went forth and took the initiative and they were doing it. And the whole time I never caught wind of it when all of the programs that we were going to and everything that we were, the events and things that we were having was always top notch. <laughs> all the basketballs are always brand new. All the footballs are always brand new. You're just like, dang. I'm like, yeah, but I loved it, though. Of course. I'm like, yes, we're on point. Like, the expectations are, are high. The bar is set high. The people are loving it. Every time they come in, they're like, oh, man, like, this water cooler is, like, nice. These footballs <laughs> are nice. Wow, y'all got new bleachers this seat. Like, everybody was always excited. And then, you know, I turn around. I'm like, where all the money go? <laughs> and everybody else is spending it up. But I had modeled that behavior. I had set those standards and those expectations and everybody else were fulfilling them, but it wasn't taking a logistical approach Mm -hmm. and a sustainable approach. Mm -hmm. And that was my mistake um, because I should have told them, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I didn't make that clear. And they just jumped in. So that's a a, a great example of where, and, and I remember it clear as day. And like, when I tell you, we were like balling, like literally, new footballs, new basketballs, <laughs> every, every season, every tournament, you know, some games we'd be breaking out new basketballs, That's championship funny. game, new basketballs, um, you know, <laughs> and you were not working for a private company that. You... Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Wait, so, so you've seen this in action too? Like, have you had a leader who just either didn't model behavior or modeled the wrong behavior? Yeah. So the example that I gave, and, and I think I also, um, learn from this leader um, when I was talking about my poise mm-hmm. and my composure. Um, I've worked for a leader in the past um, that was a very, uh, I'll use the term emotional person. Mm. Um, and they were always up, down, up, down, fiery come in yelling at everybody then the next minute come in thanking everybody and trying to motivate them and encourage them and then yelling at everybody. like and, and they were just so you know fidgety all the time inconsistent uh-huh. and then they would come in and like oh we have to do this this came from district and i'm just like okay and they're like oh never mind scratch that district i don't think they're gonna want i mean it was just like indecisive emotional inconsistent all over the place um, and, and that transpired throughout like our entire team. Oof. So, and I was a part of that team. So for me, like I was always anxious and, yeah. and I never, um, expressed to the people that I was working with that I was also leading as well with confidence. I never expressed anything to them with confidence. Yep. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm saying this, but my, my leader, you know, is going to come back and say something different. Yep. So, uh, take this with a grain of salt, but I have to say this. No, wait a minute, never mind. And like I caught myself following our leaders' actions because they were always 
jittery. They was always emotional. They were always up, down, inconsistent. And I found myself and caught myself doing and being the exact same way and doing the exact same thing. Yep. And that reflected me as, you know, as a, a person to the people that I, I was also, you know, leading and also working alongside and trying to support. Um, so I tell you what, that like in that moment, I was like, I never want to be like this. Oh, my gosh. Or if I am like this, not to this extreme, like always making sure that I'm aware and checking myself and making sure that. I have a uh, poise and I'm consistent and I'm confident in the delivery of my message and what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to do. Um, so that would be the example of working up under leadership where they modeled a behavior that was not desirable at all. Mm, that's rough. It is. It is rough. It was very rough. Um, and, and I ended up, you know, leaving that place because I just, I just couldn't perform one. Right. And the expectations that I had on myself, I don't, you know, I didn't feel like I was fulfilling what my standards for myself were because of the leadership that I was under. And, you know, obviously I say I left. It wasn't just like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. I'm leaving. You know, I took different approaches and tried multiple times to express how myself and other people were feeling. And it just wasn't really received well. And that was when I was like, okay, you know, I've tried to express myself. I've tried to make the adjustments that I need to, to be able to work underneath this. And it's just not working out. So we're not compatible, you know, together. And that's when I made the decision to go, you know, my separate way. Yep. And we're back again, the same way we were as the last episode into the, how do you give and receive feedback? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) We're going to have to do an entirely separate episode. Yes. Um, but yeah, and, and I agree. I think this is one of the most important leadership principles. Honestly, I think of this a little bit. I was just thinking about it because something that we really work towards in, I mean, both of us do currently in the jobs that we have now is, um, to help students with transferable job skills, like the ultimate goal of any student going to any higher education, anything is to get a good job and graduate or graduate and get a good job in that right. order. Um, well, and some of them, some of them get good jobs and then graduate. Some get good jobs and graduate. Yeah. We have had a couple like that, but one of the things we always see these lists come out from employers. Like these are the top skills that we want from students. And these are the top skills that students need to have that they're not bringing to us. And so it just kind of makes me think of this like partly. Yeah. I think the practical skills of like, Um, some of them are like computer and software, um, maybe public speaking, but then some of them are like, well, teamwork. Yeah. And I'm like, if you're an employer saying that a person is coming in and they don't have teamwork skills, that's a soft skill that you breed within an organization. Right. That's not necessarily sure. People can kind of learn that. But to me, that's more of a, are you actually modeling the way if you're complaining that people are coming in and they don't have teamwork skills? Yeah, exactly. Like some of those, I just really question when we get some of this feedback from employers because I'm like, sure, I get like software and like they need to understand public speaking, some of those practical skills, but some of the other ones, you got to breed that culture in your organization. Definitely. 
And, yeah. and that starts by modeling the behavior that you desire. Yep. Definitely. Exactly. So the next principle that Maxwell talks about is transferring the vision. And so what he means by this, he says, when preparing to cast a vision to your team, what you want to ask is, what do I want them to know? And what do I want them to do? So inspiring a shared vision with your team is one of the most important things that you can do. Obviously, because you have to inspire them to work towards this goal of the organization. Right. I agree. So with that importance, um, how do you usually communicate the vision or your ultimate goal to your team? Um, I think that the very first part of of what you said when you were given a description is, what do I want them to know? Identifying that is the most important part. And by identifying what you want them to know, then you can determine how to put together what you need to communicate. Okay. Um, because if you don't initially think about what you want them to know, you're going to go in and you're going to say some things and then you're going to leave a void or leave them hanging to where they're going to feel like they're really not getting the full picture or you're not being transparent. Uh, and then they're not going to trust you. And then they're not going to trust you. So when yeah. you're talking about transferring a vision, I think what you said, the very first part is what do I want them to know? Uh, gotcha. And identifying that is the most important part. If you don't take anything else away from what I'm saying about transferring a vision understanding and identifying what you want them to know and then determining and realizing what's random or extra unnecessary information mm. that you can bring in and share that doesn't really lead to anywhere, but it leaves them lingering and being able to create their own perception. And then they feel like you're not being open, you're not being transparent, and then they don't trust you. Interesting. So I'm a I'm a about to test your leadership here. All right, go for it. How do you communicate? Because and I'm thinking pretty specifically about how you lead people now and in the type of organization that you're that we're both in, but especially you. How do you communicate multiple visions and help your your staff be able to prioritize those visions and or understand the importance of all visions because sometimes that can be hard like I have this vision and we're going to work towards it but I also have this vision and then there's this one and the organization as a whole is moving in this direction but we still have to accomplish all these other goals and, and these visions that we have so how do you help your staff prioritize what working towards those looks like so, you know me, um, and you know how I'm process-oriented. Right. So, you best to believe I'm going to have a process in place. I like flowcharts or also cows, which are, I refer to them as cows, but they're chart of works. Moo-moo. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I told you, you asked me was. to do a cow, a cow and yeah. this is like, this is way before we were married. 
And it was it was a long time ago. Yeah. And you're like, can you go do a cow for that? Like we're working on a project together. Yeah. At work, and you're like, can you do a cow? And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like what kind of are you talking about? Like the rodeo, like moo moo. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So cow. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So a cow. It's a chart of work. Um, right. And anyone that has worked underneath my leadership has heard this phrase or this terminology before and and they will know exactly what i'm referring to um but within that chart of work you will then take those different visions and be able to see how they all work together for the overarching goal that you're trying to accomplish so when you can take those different visions and how you said like how do you prioritize them how do you determine you know where they go who does what when you create that chart of work you're going to take those those visions and you're going to place them where they need to go and this is why i'm process oriented because i like to put those type of things together so that you can visually see it so as as i'm going through it i'm i'm going to get up there Either with an actual cow, not like a moo moo cow, but <laughs> my charter work. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to show them and say, hey, look, this is where we're trying to go. Right. These are all different visions of how we're trying to get there. Okay. This is where you fit in at currently. And in three weeks, I expect us to take this vision and have molded it or either taken some pieces of it. And fit it into this part of this vision. Right. Which will then transition us here. And if they're all independent of each of each other, hey, we need to complete this. But at the same time, we're simultaneously working on this and we're working on this. And by completing all these different components and these different pieces, it's going to get us to here. And if I don't have an actual cow in front of me, I will make sure that I very descriptively explain the different visions or the different processes of where we're trying to go and how we're going to get there and how we're planning to get there and how they're involved and what their role is. And, and that's it. What that also does is when you're talking about working with a big team, since you said you're challenging my leadership right now, <laughs> I'm just basically telling people how I operate and how I work mm-hmm. and how I lead. Um, and hopefully somebody can be like, oh, man, I didn't even think of that or I never thought of it or seen it mm-hmm. that way. Um, also, what I do is by setting it up and putting it out and presenting it that way. If some people are not involved in all of the different visions, they can still see it and see how they fit into the overall goal or objective. So if there's some information that they're not receiving because their particular area isn't responsible for the next part or the next part that needs to be accomplished to get to the end, they can see where they fit in. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if they're not getting certain information or it's something that I don't want them to know and they happen to find out, they can understand that. That is not for me, but I'll be darned. I see where it plays in and where it fits at, and it makes sense to me, and I'm okay with that, and I'm 100% in. You passed the leadership test. Did I really? Yeah. I thought I would. <laughs> but but basically, yeah. I just basically talked you through how, yeah. when you're talking about transferring a vision, how it works for me and how I 
make sure I put so much effort into the front end of preparing the cow. Yeah. I think that's good because I've, I've definitely in the past worked for companies that just viewed their workers as like, I'm just going to tell you what your specific job is right now. And I'm not going to tell you how it helps us achieve any goals of this organization. Um, <laughs> retail. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, that is, that is a lot of retails. You may not know what those overarching goals are of the organization and you're just asked to work and work and work and you're paid hourly and that's what they care about. And they just, you do the work that you have to do and then you go home and you don't have any other buy-in or reason to stay with that organization. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's good because even though you have hourly workers, some of your, some, a lot of your workers are hourly, it still, it helps them to have that buy-in. And I know you have a lot of people that work for you that it's like, they just stay and they stay and yeah. they stay even though they could have a better opportunity to maybe make more money or do something else somewhere else. They're completely bought into the organization. They're invested. They're invested. Yeah. yeah. So I love, I love that. I love that we talked about that. Yep. So that that's my approach. Okay. Hopefully I said something that helped somebody or that sparked some new ideas or interest for somebody. Yeah. I thought that was really good. We definitely want to get into the very last principle that he has, okay. um, which because we could go a million different ways with this. Um, but his last leadership philosophy is called reward for results. Mm-hmm. And so this basically is a principle that whatever action leaders reward will be repeated. Giving praise publicly and privately for things you'd like to see again will guarantee that team members continue to strive for success. And don't forget that rewards are most likely different for each team member. So you have to find out what motivates each individual. Yeah. How do you do that? Especially because you have so many yeah. people. Yeah. Oh, this one right here is probably the most challenging because up underneath my leadership, it is so many people, like you said, and they all prefer different people praise right different like ways different rewards reward yeah yeah um so that's the most challenging because for me and and it's one of my my challenges and and i'm continuously working on it and i am fully aware and it takes extra effort but because of the way that i like to be rewarded is how i initially and automatically think that i should be towards everyone else or reward everyone else and that's not the case for everybody right how do you like to be rewarded so for me i don't really need a big public praise or anything like that right like if you come up to me like dang daryl like that was on point right i'm like yep cool got it like that's what i expected i'm glad that you came and said something that's good to know like i'm i'm on the right track right now if you want to do a big public praise like great document it somewhere so that i can just get a newspaper or something like that like put it in a (laughs) newspaper don't get up and stand up on a podium and yell it out or, or write me a little note or something like that. But that's how I like, you know, I like to, to be rewarded. But some people like the the public to be nominated and to get a plaque and to, right. you know, that stuff really doesn't doesn't phase me that much. Except like running. I'm all about the medals. Yeah. When you're you talking are. about running, I'm all about the medals. Yeah. 
<laughs> but when you're talking about as a leader, like I don't need the the plaques and the trophies and all of that stuff. I mean, if I get them, that's cool. I'll, I'll appreciate them and receive them um, and be thankful and show gratitude. But that's not why I do it. I'm more in it for, you know, the people coming up to me and saying, man, I took so much away from that. I got so much from that. Or you helped me grow so much. Or um, if you look in my uh, my work drawer right now, I have probably two, three hundred like personal written like messages, cards, letters of people who are just like because of you or or the message that you gave or the way that you lead or the things that you've done. I've grown as a person. I've developed as a person. Um, you've helped me transition. You helped me become better. You help me grow. Like those are the things that are rewarding to me. Right. So funny what you just said was that you prefer to not get words of affirmation or praise from the people above you, so the people you report to. Yeah. You prefer to get words of affirmation or or praise from the people that you've helped and to know that you've made a difference. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Yep. So, so while we're talking about that, we talked about this before, I think in our... Did we talk about this in our relationship episode? There was like a, maybe it was our Valentine's Day episode. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. But there are five. So Oh, some, the five, the, the love five, languages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was in our, um, was it the how Valentine's to love. Day? Okay. How to love. How to love. So there's five love languages, right? And there, and there's also the five languages of appreciation in the workplace that is written by the same people, Gary Chapman and whoever his co-author was, and I don't remember. Um, but they're exactly the same. Surprise, surprise. They just have different meanings when it's a personal romantic relationship versus the workplace, obviously. So the five languages of appreciation in the workplace are words of affirmation. So using praise to affirm the things that people are doing acts of service. So as a leader going out of your way to help either like an employee or a coworker and do something for them in the workplace or giving gifts, so like bringing a coworker coffee or giving somebody a gift card after they've had a really hard, or not hard, but they've done a really good job on a project or something like that. Um, quality time, so maybe like spending time, like going to lunch with your coworkers or like going to lunch with your employees. Um, and then physical touch. Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's always, I remember I having can't. these conversations when we were talking about our... Um, you gotta be careful with that. Yeah, we were using we were using the five um, languages of appreciation in the workplace with our leadership cohort. Um, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when we were all discussing it as a group, all the facilitators were like, "We don't even know if we should put physical touch in there." Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> Oh yes, it's I a remember. One. It really is because oh, at work, tricky you have is to be the word. Tricky, super tricky. Careful. Uh, yeah. But this translates at work into like a handshake or like a pat on the shoulder. Um, I anything maybe, other than a handshake, I'm just like, yeah, Oof, I, don't I ain't know. about to rub. I mean, not pat nobody on those shoulders. Right. Them hugs can be dangerous depending on who it is. And yeah. How long you hugging, what a hand placement is for the hug. <laughs> Ugh. You want to talk so, about uh, making somebody feel comfortable? I'm like, I don't hug. I'm a high fiver. 
Yeah, that too. That could be one too. That could yeah. Be a physical oh, touch. yeah. It is a physical touch. I'm a high fiver. Like I'm the shoulder pats and all of that, and I'm like, hey, put it there. Like high five, and you have the choice to not give me the high five. Yeah. And I'm gonna turn that high five into a wave. That's you know what I'm saying. Smart. I'm always like, put it up for the high five, and are they going for it? No, wave at them. Yeah, that's that's smart, and that's kind of a <laughs> cool way to like be nonchalant if you get rejected. Yeah, if you get five. rejected, you'd be like, oh, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah, hey, yes, or turn it into one of the like wave to the points. Yeah, that's uh, much better too than a handshake. If you get yes. rejected from a handshake, like, what do you even? Where do you? What do you do with your hand? You, <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> that's funny that you said that. I, I don't know how close we are to being done, but I'm about to get off topic for a second, okay. just for a second, because it's pretty funny. Um, and this just happened with me. Somebody was was going in for a handshake. And I misread it. Oh, gosh. And I didn't follow through with the handshake. Do you know they left their hand out there and, like, kept inching it towards me and made me shake their hand? What? That's funny. It was funny because I thought, like, they stuck their hand out and, and I totally just misread it and wasn't even thinking and totally kind of turned away. And then they kind of had the back of their hand kind of like grazed like my my side. Like, hey, my hand here. Like, shake my hand. Oh, my god! If it was me and I missed it, I would have just put my hand down. Yeah. This, like, oh. this person made me shake their hand. They were not about to look stupid. They wasn't about to be. He looked more. They looked about more. They looked more silly with the like pats like hey shake my hand (laughs) then just letting it go but that's funny that you said that because somebody i literally just shunned somebody on a handshake and they forced me to force me to shake their hand and i was just like oh oh my bad so i have a serious question for you serious question back to serious so how do you discover your team's languages for appreciation or praise oh um so to be honest, I I don't. Oh. Well, okay. Let me okay. Let me backtrack. Sorry. Depending on, and this is gonna sound bad saying, but depending on level or like where how closely I work with them, right? I'll figure it out. But like you said, the staff that I lead or the the group of people that I lead, it varies from college students at entry level all the way up to other people that are in higher positions or that I have closer relationships with. Right. So those people, I definitely take the time to kind of figure it out, try different things, see how they respond to different ways that of appreciation and kind of gauge it from there and then some of them you know they'll tell you not openly or up front but they'll say little things and kind of give you little cues on how they like to be appreciated right uh, and, and what works for them like for instance, some sometimes some of you are like, oh, man, I'm I'm so glad that you were just um, open and accepting of me just asking for this half day off because I feel like I've been working really hard. Right. And I'm like, OK, got it. Cool. Right. Or either 
you know, you're sitting in a group with someone and they're like, oh, man, some coffee show would be nice in here. I'm like, got it. Right. You know, like or, you just kind of pay attention. You just, pay, I, you know me. I'm yeah. all, <laughs> I be paying attention to all kind of stuff. Yeah, everything. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, so, so being able to just kind of observe those different things and then kind of use those to respond or use those as ways of appreciation, I think, is how I do it. Um, but also, like I said, it's not for everyone. It's for right. those people that I am closer to or have better working relationship with, um, or that are positionally closer to me. And one of the things that we, we read in the five languages of appreciation in the workplace is like, if you don't know what works for people, one of the number one things always is just words of praise, words of praise, leaving a note saying, thank you, um, telling them, thank you publicly. Because for most people, for like 98% of people that at least that acknowledgement will at least keep driving them forward. Yes, it will. Definitely. But I mean, you can always ask them like, Hey, how do you like to be recognized? Yep. And I promise you, they won't be shy about telling you. Nope. Well, they shouldn't. No, nope. they're going to be like, oh, my God, really? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, um, I bet the first thing they're going to say is raise. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can give me a raise to appreciate me. <laughs> I, I'm pretty that's sure that's. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be probably the first thing that a lot of people, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people are going to say. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, this has been such a great discussion i love the leading down but you know what we're gonna get into a little bit what's that what's that? harder subjects coming up so the next one coming up is leading across Ooh, which yes. is harder than leading down because yes. you're kind of you're kind of uh uh i don't have the right word for it but you're kind of just putting your positional leadership to the side yeah because the people then that you're trying to lead would be the exact same position as you. So yep. your positional or leadership, level. Yep. yeah, it doesn't really matter anymore. When you talk about leading across. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you lead your colleagues? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get into that next week. That um, could be a one or two parter, just depending. Um, but we're excited to keep the conversation going with the School of Leadership. That's right. Yeah. Um, In the meantime, go back and listen to the rest of the school leadership and catch up on past episodes of Success in Black and White, the podcast at successinblackandwhite.com backslash episodes. That's right. Yep. Um, And then listen to the end to find out how you can follow Daryl and I on social media. Exactly. Yep. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Until the next time. Hey, everybody. If you like today's episode, please subscribe to the Success in Black and White podcast. You'll get notified every time a new episode is posted, which is every Tuesday. If you love this episode, help us spread the love. Rate and leave a review on our iTunes podcast episode. Also, share that you listen on social media and tag us on your posts. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all social media platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all social media platforms as well. Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh, you sound like Keith Sweat. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Oh, did it record? <laughs> yeah.